Well, hello everybody and welcome back uh, to Traveling with Spinoza podcast. It's been a while and I apologize for that. I uh, just, you know, life happened, uh, work got crazy busy and uh, I think I even at one point in there probably caught COVID. I don't know for sure, but I was sick for a good stretch. A matter of several weeks so it's it's been a, a rough three months the the last podcast I published was February and so what that's uh, March April May and here we are almost halfway through June so it's been three and a half months and uh, it's just it's just been crazy uh, I just haven't been able to get in and do a lot of the digging and researching and uh, show prep that I need to do. And that's one of the things I want to do. I want to make this a quality show, not just, uh, just you know, some random talking head uh, talking about outdoor nature stuff. I mean, I wanted to have some substance to it and uh, you know, be useful, as well as, you know, maybe a little entertaining, but uh, useful more than anything. All right, uh, today's topic is social hiking, and it is, uh, you know, people get together and they go hiking all the time, right? But in this age of the internet, we now have Facebook, of course, been around forever, or so it seems, and we have meetup groups, and we have all of these uh, organizations that can easily meet online, plan, and carry out uh, social hiking uh, events, as well as canoeing uh, events, any, any sort of social events. It could be dancing, uh, wine tasting, uh, knitting, bicycling, you name it. Uh, Meetup and Facebook allow you to uh, quickly and easily organize these particular events. Um, and one of the things that happened uh, about a month, month and a half ago uh, regarding social hiking was the tragic incident at the Eye of the Needle or the Indian Creek area of the Buffalo National Park. And uh, it involved a meetup group. And there's, there's been a lot of discussion about this. And uh, there's, there's just all kinds of uh, things being said uh, about it. And I would like to kind of talk about that a little bit today. And uh, because some of the stuff that was said I think was inaccurate in my opinion and I would like to kind of look at uh, some of that uh, with you today and you know I'm not here to decide right or wrong anything like that I'm just covering the information that I have found and expressing you know my opinion uh, about it all right so let's take a look here. Let me share my screen with you. And this was the uh, National Park Service release on May 9th, uh, talking about the incident. Uh, the, the meetup group is a group called Arkansas Nature Lovers, and it's been around for a long time. Uh, there are other groups that uh, are also found online. They have websites. They may or may not be meetups necessarily, but all of these social hiking groups uh, basically operate on the same template. Uh, you have an organization, you have the leaders involved uh, with the group, and people can join the group. You pay a membership fee, and, and some, some membership fees uh, can range from $20 up to $100, uh, all of these sorts of things, okay? Meetup, typically, uh, the meetup 
hiking groups typically charge an annual membership fee of 10, 20 bucks, somewhere in there. But uh, anyway, that, uh, what you see on the screen here is the actual press release that talks about the uh, tragedy that happened at Indian Creek. And I made a special note there. It says, at the very bottom, the Park Service mentions hikers should equip for self-rescue. And I like that they put that in there. On all of these meetups and all of these uh, outdoor activities, whether they be hiking or canoeing or kayaking or whatever, standard form is to indicate there that, you know, paddlers and hikers always engage in these activities, you know, at their own risk. And that's basically what the National Park Service is saying here, but they're being a little more explicit about it, that if you go into our park, be prepared to rely upon yourself, that you are taking the risk, and part of that risk includes getting yourself rescued. Uh, don't depend on others to, to do that for you. Put yourself in a situation or put your, uh, bring the proper gear, uh, what have you, so that you can uh, rescue yourself or at least put you in a good position to be rescued. So that's what uh, the Park Service is saying there. Now, I'd like to kind of quickly go over some of the things with, uh, with you here uh, about uh, this particular tragic event that happened on May 7th. Uh, Sheriff of Newton County came out and made this statement. He said uh, that the individual who died was part of a group being led by a man from Bentonville that was discovered to be operating a guide service without a license or insurance. And that this uh, was not the first incident the illegal guide uh, had been involved in. Now, when this news release was made, uh, there were a lot of people who had uh, really objected to uh, the words that the sheriff had used here. The first of which was guide service. Uh, Arkansas Nature Lovers uh, Group is not a guide service. It doesn't pretend to be. It's not a for-profit entity. It is simply a group of individuals who meet uh, and participate in a social activity. Uh, no one is being charged for the hike itself. Uh, there are membership fees associated with being a part of the group, but like I said, that's standard across the board, nothing, uh, nothing unusual there. Uh, another thing that people objected to was the fact that uh, the, the, uh, the sheriff used the word uh, illegal in his description. He called it an illegal guide. And again, people were quick to point out that he's not a guide. He never pretended to be, never talked about being a guide uh, or anything like that. So uh, that wording right from the get-go was problematic for a lot of people. Um, not surprisingly, the news media, as you can tell on this slide, from KNWA, they, on their uh, uh, website, uh, has this headline. It says, update, Missouri man who died at Buffalo River was in group led by illegal guide. And you see the sheriff's words there being repeated in this particular uh, press release by this news service. Um, the sheriff even went on to say, as you see here, that if state charges are a better fit, better fit than federal charges, uh, he, that he'd be happy to save a bed in his jail for this guy. Again, some pretty tough talk there uh, from the sheriff in, uh, I guess, showing his um, aggressive stance to wanting to prosecute uh, the group leader. Uh, uh, that was, you know, leading this particular group of people on this hike. So, again, people found this wording to be a little um, unusual, uh, a little aggressive, 
and just not, well, in a word, appropriate. That was the response by many that I saw. There were others um, who were appreciative of the uh, sheriff's uh, uh, willingness to want to uh, prosecute. They, as you can tell here, it says the locals, uh, or they say you can tell who the locals are and who are not. Again, the sheriff was getting some pushback here, and this particular individual wanted to stand up to say that he supported the sheriff uh, because the sheriff was receiving lots of comments about uh, his use of words and how he described the situation. Um, another commenter here says, we see so many people come from out of town to do these hikes and end up hurt or dead. Well, these hikes have been going on for years. Uh, this, this commenter is correct. Uh, there are a lot of people who come uh, to town, uh, or I'm not sorry, from out of town to do these hikes or to do these paddles or you know these float trips and yeah they get injured that's you know when you go outside in nature and you're in you're in this terrain you know injuries can certainly happen and uh, this is you know this particular incident is just another case in point uh, some people here's an example of someone who had a problem with the sheriff's uh, uh, wording of his description of both uh, what the activity was and his description of the of the group leader who was leading this hike. Uh, this commenter says that the sheriff uh, probably you know made an unwise statement, uh, and he bases this on decades of news gathering and reporting. This individual uh, has worked in journalism apparently. And uh, he found the sheriff's statement to be, you know, quote unquote, unwise. And uh, he pointed that out in his comment. Uh, the sheriff goes on to say that group leader uh, takes people into some of the most ter uh, rugged terrain in, uh, in the park. And that's true. That's why people show up for these group hikes they want to see places that a lot of people don't see and yes by almost by definition the reason they don't see it is because it's rugged terrain the implication seems to be here that he is taking them into these places without properly telling them about the places that seems to be the suggestion here that the people are some, somehow surprised that these are rugged and uh, difficult places to get to. Um, you know, I think people know that the Buffalo River area is a rugged environment. We know this. Uh, but I, I think maybe part of the wording here is to suggest that the group leader um, may uh, be doing this at the surprise of the people he's taking. Uh, again, I don't know that to be true, uh, but uh, it, I just am troubled a little bit by, by the wording there. People who are avid hikers and know uh, uh, about hiking um, will know that they're going into these rugged terrains almost by definition. Another thing is this that on these group hikes across the board whenever there is any sort of a group event uh, the organizers always uh, give descriptions of the place even pictures and in some cases videos uh, that's no exception for for this particular hike either the arkansas nature lovers group had all of those things um, had all that information posted uh, for people to read about and to see actual pictures and videos of the places that they will be traveling to. So everyone was well aware of where they were going. Another uh, comment here that you see, uh, this individual says that he supports the sheriff 100% in his decision to prosecute. And then he goes on to add that he was a little infuriated when I learned that large groups of people 
uh, were being led to some of the most treacherous hikes in Arkansas. And I'm like, really? Uh, are you really, first of all, infuriated uh, that large groups of people were going to these areas? I mean, these groups, uh, all these hiking uh, clubs and groups have been going to the, this area for years. This is no surprise. I don't, I don't understand that this individual was unaware of that. I don't see how, how you could be unaware of this. The, the Buffalo River area has been there since, what, the 1972? Uh, large groups. If you go down any, uh, you go down the Low Water Bridge, you'll see large groups of people putting in the river. You go to uh, Lost Valley, uh, you know, Eden, Eden Falls, and um, uh, you'll see a massive uh, uh, numbers of people going through their groups as well. And people say, oh, well, you know, Eden, uh, you know, Lost Valley isn't treacherous. Hold that thought for, for just a little bit, okay? We'll come back to that. Um, and this particular comment actually came, I believe, from a relative family member uh, who was commenting about the individual who, who fell and died. Uh, this person says, FYI, the area he fell in wasn't in the crazy rough area. Many of the trails in, in the area are worse than this spot. So apparently he wasn't in any particularly dangerous section of Indian Creek when the accident happened. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't on a ledge. He wasn't in any particularly dangerous spot and the accident still happened. So, you know, people who, um, you know, are upset about uh, hiking groups going into Indian Creek, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, it's a dangerous place, but not all of it is, is dangerous. There are parts of it that are perfectly safe and accidents do happen. And that's what this commenter was pointing out that they weren't even in a particularly uh, bad spot when the accident happened. Uh, I did some research on the types of permits or licenses, whatever you want to call it, are, that are required in the Buffalo River area. The first one is a, a concession contract or permit. And this is for people who are uh, basically outfitters. I went to the website and I found a list of the authorized concessionaires. And as the names on the list suggest, these are all basically outfitters. You had the Buffalo Camping and Canoeing, Buffalo Outdoor Center, Buffalo River Outfitters, uh, Buffalo River Float Service, uh, Crockett's Canoe Rental, et cetera, et cetera. These are people who have these concession uh, contracts. They last about roughly 10 years uh, to do business in the national park. So if there was a license required, it would not be uh, this sort of license that if a social group, a uh, hiking club, canoeing club wanted to, to operate in the uh, park, that this is not the kind of license or permit they would need. The other is called a special use permit. And this is, uh, it authorizes activities that provide uh, benefit to an individual group or organization rather than to the public at large. And they give some examples of these sorts of permits, you know, weddings, scattering of ashes, First Amendment activities, agricultural permits, uh, and th those sorts of things. Now, uh, these are like, you know, every so often sorts of events, like a wedding, for example, uh, you're not going to be uh, the people applying for this particular special event, uh, special use permit. You know, if they're doing it for a wedding, you know, they're not going to be back next year, uh, you know, doing the same wedding. Uh, you know, it's not like a wedding happens for this individual every year. Uh, so, or scattering of ashes. You're not going to be scattering ashes, you know, the same ashes year in, year out. So, this is not the kind of permit that would be required for a hiking group. 
it does say something here about nonprofits, and this is interesting because it says to avoid the need to obtain a CUA, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, a nonprofit organization must state in writing to the superintendent that no taxable income will be derived from the activity. However, when engaging in activities in the park, a nonprofit is required to obtain a special use permit. So even if you're a nonprofit, you're not going to be making any money uh, and you are going to be taking a group, uh, you're going to need this particular sort of, of license. Again, this is for a, or an individual or an organization. The cost of a, spe a special use uh, permit is about $150. So again, kind of uh, expensive. The next sort of, of, of permit is called a commercial use authorization permit or a CUA for short. This allows people to conduct appropriate commercial services to park visitors. Uh, if you do not have like a, an outfitters, but you're still providing some services to people in the park, this is the kind of permit uh, you're going to need. Now notice the word again, commercial. People are making money. They are profit, profiting from uh, the particular activity uh, that they are uh, doing within the park. These, uh, a CUA may not exceed two years. All right, so you can get one of these uh, permits, uh, but they're, they're like two years or, or less, and they can be renewed, however. But again, this is a commercial service permit. If you are running a meetup, if you are doing a canoe club or any sort of outdoor club, uh, you know, you're going to look at this and you're going to say, well, I'm a club. I'm not making money. This is not something I'm making money off of. Uh, so why would I even need this? Why would I need a commercial service permit? I'm not a commercial service. I'm not providing uh, canoes, uh, backpacks, uh, food, gear, n none of that. People show up with their own uh, stuff. So if you're a club leader, you, you would look at this and say, well, this doesn't apply to me either because I'm not a, 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 a commercial operation. So those are the three types of, of uh, permits that... Uh, one could get. Other aspect that I'd like to talk about, uh, and this is what this commenter brings up, and he raises the question, the issue is, was he, that is the group leader, was he paid or not? Leading a hike isn't illegal. Uh, if, if it was, lots of fine people would be in serious trouble. And that's exactly right. Um, there are lots of groups out there who go into the park who do, who do not have these permits and they function as a club, as a group, uh, because when you go back and look at the permits, the descriptions of these permits really don't apply here. So one of the things I would like to point out at this point is that hiking groups tend not to fit into the permit structure of the national park. Uh, they don't operate to make money. Uh, they are doing it as a social function. This is the crux of the matter. Um, not only was he paid, but was he paid in the sense of a commercial operation? Uh, he may have been paid in a membership dues collecting uh, function. He may have been collecting dues. And by the way, he wasn't collecting the dues on park property. He was at actually in the parking lot of an Outfitters, as I, as I understand it. So um, he wasn't within the park boundary uh, when he um, collected the money, but he was collecting dues. He wasn't collecting money for 
the service uh, of guiding. That's not what he was doing. He was leading the hike. He wasn't charging people as a guide. He wasn't functioning as a commercial guide service. Um, and that brings me to this particular uh, thing that I found on Meetup. Uh, and the, under the uh, FAQ, it says, uh, how can I monetize my Meetup group? And Meetup posts an answer to this question. It says, there are several ways that you can share costs or even make a profit as an organizer. You can choose to charge your members dues or can ticket each event. Now, this again is the heart of the matter. Uh, it says here, there are several ways that you can share costs and the way they recommend that you share costs is by charging dues. If you want to make a profit, you can actually charge uh, a ticket for each event. The Nature Lovers group was not charging a per ticket charge for the event. They never do. None of these social groups charge on a per ticket or per event basis. They don't do that. So when it comes down to asking the question, is he a guide service? I think that pretty much settles it. If you're collecting an annual fee for maintenance of the club, that is website fees, uh, travel fees to find these locations, map them, uh, uh, fees uh, to, to make uh, camp reservations and things like that, all of those monies go into the club to keep the club operational. Uh, if he was charging on a per event basis, then you could rightly say that he was trying to profit. He was operating in, uh, in a commercial fashion uh, at that time. And that would be a fair, uh, a fair statement. But just collecting membership dues is just that. You're, you're collecting money to, uh, to maintain the operation of the club, of the group, not to profit personally. Other sorts of uh, comments, uh, this person commented uh, that, uh, I'll just read what he says, he says, I smell a shakedown coming, one in which anyone assisting another in any outdoor pursuit will have to be licensed, certified, have an EMT at his side, else be deemed illegal, and find themselves in an ethical, legal morass. Uh, and that's very true. I mean, you have the permit structure by the National Park Service, but hiking groups don't seem to quite fit because they are not seen or understood as commercial operations, and they're not special events per se. Um, they are constant, um, you know, social gatherings at the National Park. And there, like I said, there are lots and lots of social gatherings with lots and lots of large groups. And so just because you have one, peop one person in charge, quote unquote, the leader, um, doesn't necessarily mean you're operating as a uh, commercial service. All right. They may be organizing it. Uh, yeah, they may have to, you know, get money reimbursed because maybe they put down some money uh, to get canoes or to get campsites or whatever. You know, all of that sort of thing happens all the time. And uh, the fear that this commenter is uh, talking about is that, you know, are we now uh, going to be required to have uh, any sort of group uh, engaging in any sort of outdoor pursuit? Are they going to have to be, have a license, one of the permits? Are they going to have to be certified in, in certain fields of uh, uh, first aid? Are they, going to, or are they going to have to have an EMT along with them? Uh, if they don't have all of these, are, are these groups going to be deemed illegal and then find themselves in this you know, crazy ethical, legal uh, situation? 
And that is a, a real concern. And uh, in fact, that is actually what is happening right now. And we'll talk about that more in just a minute. Uh, now, another uh, comment that I saw pop up a lot was the size of this particular group. Uh, on this particular group, uh, on the, I should say on this particular event or outing, uh, some uh, roughly around 30, peop uh, 30 people showed up to attend. I don't know if that's the exact number. It could have been a little less than that, uh, but I don't really think it was more than that. Uh, but right around 30 uh, was the size of the group. And yes, that's a, that's a, a large group. And this particular commenter is, uh, is questioning the wisdom of having a, uh, a group of that size. Uh, and they suggest that uh, the group leader should minimize his group sizes and have the rest RSVP. And so here's the thing about this. Let me give you a case in point. I was actually on a hike with this group, the Arkansas Nature Lovers, and I had looked at the meetup site, I had looked at the Facebook site, and I had added up the number of people who said they were coming uh, to do this hike. And the day of the hike, I was there, I uh, uh, met up with them, and of the 30 people who said they were going, there were only five of us who actually went. And what happens is, this is a good suggestion. You know, I think having group size regulated is a wise thing to do. Um, but the problem is this. People say that they're going to come to these things, and, they don't, and then they don't show up, and they don't change their RSVP. And... This is a rare thing. This is the exception, not the rule. You don't, as a, as a rule, have 30 people show up for these hikes. That's, that's highly unusual. At most, you get 20-something, all right, uh, in, the, in the low to, to mid-20s at most. And that's a, that's a fine size. There's nothing really wrong with that size. When you start to hit 30 and more, obviously, that's going to be a, a little more difficult to manage. And... That, uh, uh, like I said, I, uh, I know that this has happened only maybe three or so times when you had a crowd size of 30. You have most of these people not show up uh, and you have way, way smaller sizes. And like I said also, a lot of people who sign up for these hikes do not RSVP. They do not keep the hike leader informed so they can manage the sizes. It's very hard to do that, to manage a group when people do not follow through in RSVP uh, because a lot of them don't. It's a common, common occurrence. And one other thing about, let me go back, one other, uh, one other thing about groups is this. Um, while group sizes can, in certain situations, be dangerous. They can, they can increase the risk factor. In other cases, they can be quite beneficial. Uh, let me give you a case in point. All the group hikes that I have been on, it, uh, whenever you're hiking in a group, what happens is the group tends to move slower through the terrain. And I have found that when I am by myself going through rough terrain, I tend to move uh, quickly. And that's one of the things that has bothered me about going on, on group hikes is because they go so slow, they take so long uh, to, uh, from start to finish. But when I go by myself or with a smaller group, I tend to move faster. And when I'm moving faster, I'm stepping faster, and I uh, think I am actually putting myself at a greater risk of having, you know, make a mistake, that I'm moving too fast, I'm going to step on something, uh, uh, you know, that I'm not certain of, and boom, you know, I fall or something happens. 
So moving slow is actually a benefit and having a large group will actually force the group to move uh, more slowly on the hike. You know, we've all heard the uh, expression, you know, speed kills. And a lot of times it, it, it can present problems and, and cause people injury when they're moving too fast through the terrain. Perfect example, I remember a couple years ago, I was on a hike with one other person and I was on the Washita Trail. I was up on a ridge on a really flat piece of terrain. I was on the trail and nothing, nothing uh, crazy about the terrain at all. The other person was uh, maybe a half mile behind me and uh, I was moving along and I didn't, uh, I didn't pick up my foot well enough and I tripped over a rock and I went face first into the trail and luckily I broke the fall with my arm. Luckily I didn't break my arm, but it was a hard, hard hit. And I was on basically level ground. And the problem was what caused that was the fact that I was moving fast. I wasn't running or anything, but I was hiking at a fast pace. Had I slowed down, I probably wouldn't have tripped. But that's just uh, an example from personal experience. So again, group size can be a benefit, a blessing, and it can also be uh, a danger in certain circumstances. And also, I wanna say this about uh, group size. In this particular tragedy, the individuals that, were, uh, that had shown up to go with the group had actually left the group when the accident happened. They weren't even with the group when this individual fell and had his accident. They were away from the group. So the group size in this particular situation had zero, zero uh, causality or zero effect on the accident. It had nothing to do with the accident. The person was away from the group, they were on their own, they had an accident. So group size had nothing to do uh, with his accident in this situation. Just wanted to make that clear. Uh, talking about group sizes and treacherous terrain and that sort of thing, uh, I found this in my research. I found this article goes back to September 27th of 2021. That was what? That was back in the early fall of this, you know, of last year, seven months ago. And I found this story and it just raises a whole bunch of questions for me because it does seem to have a lot of parallels with what happened on May 7th. And this is uh, what this news story says. It says um, a teenager from Ava, Missouri uh, had, uh, uh, was at Lost Valley and uh, had a, uh, they were near the Eden Creek Falls Cave on the Lost Valley and they were there, or he, this individual, this teenager, was there hiking with a large group from his church. All right, so you're at, you know, Lost Valley, which is not deemed to be a treacherous environment by most people. That's where a lot of people go to do quote unquote easy hiking. Um, but what happened here is that this teenager left the established trail and went up, uh, did, you know, went up on some rocks on a steep hillside, lost his footing, fell 20 feet and, and died of his injuries. All right. So like I said, very similar circumstances. This kid basically left the group, left the established trail. So whatever group he was with, the kid left. He also fell about 20 feet, which is the same, roughly the same distance that uh, the individual at Indian Creek fell. He was, you know, originally he was with a large group. And in this case, this was actually a church group. And so what questions popped to mind 
to me are these. Okay, here we have a group activity. This is a nonprofit. A church is a nonprofit. And so based on the um, permit structure that I saw in my research, the special event uh, permit, use permit, seems to apply here because they have a large group. They're coming all the way from Missouri. So you know they're not bringing three or four or five people. They're coming as a group, probably in a church van or bus or something. And I want to know, did they have a special use permit here? Because they are, churches are, you know, nonprofits. They are tax exempt. Uh, and they have a, you know, they're, they're doing this special event. Uh, did they have a permit? Are they even required to have one? It seems to be the case. And if Arkansas Nature Lovers, uh, which is also a non-commercial uh, entity, uh, if they are required to have some sort of permit, um, isn't this group, even though they are nonprofit, there's still a permit for nonprofits. Um, and I'm just wondering, what about this particular case? I don't know. I have no idea, but it just raises a whole lot of questions about was this particular group leader cited uh, for not having a permit? Were they required to have a permit? I don't know the answers. I'm just saying that it just raises a lot of questions because the, you know, if, if Arkansas Nature Lovers and all these other social hiking groups are required to have hiking permits, then surely a church group a large church group bringing minors, no less, bringing underage uh, individuals to go on, you know, hiking activities, which are inherently dangerous. Um, surely they're going to need a permit, right? I mean, it just seems like some sort of something would be required. In the Arkansas Nature Lovers case, these were all adults. They were all legal age, <clears throat> well-informed about where they were going, knowing perfectly well what they were doing. They know they weren't being guided in a commercial operation. They knew all of this stuff. It's common knowledge. Um, and here it says <clears throat> in, the, in the news release uh, by this KY3 uh, organization out of Missouri, it says the park staff and I, meaning the superintendent, uh, extend our deepest condolences to this young man's family and friends. And also listed as first responders was the Newton County Sheriff's Office. Now, I went to their official website and their Facebook page, and I looked under the news releases, and I didn't find a news release about this, uh, about this particular event, about this tragedy involving this 16-year-old. There was no news release from the sheriff's office about it. They had other news releases going back to 2018 or 2016 about some incidences where some people had fallen off of Hawksbill Craig. They had news releases about that. But here you have a death in the county on the Buffalo River area or in the Buffalo River area and there's no release there. I'm just curious about what the sheriff um, would have said about this. I was really, I wanted to compare the remarks he made in the May 7th tragedy at Indian Creek. I wanted to compare those remarks with the remarks of this, and I couldn't find any. And I, again, I don't know why they're not out there. If they could be out there somewhere else, but I did go to the appropriate websites and found nothing about this particular event. And again, I don't know why, but I was really interested in seeing the comments and how, were they the same types of comments? Were they radically different comments? Uh, I don't know. So, but these two cases seem to be very, very similar. And I'm wondering if they were treated in a similar fashion. Uh, now, that leads me into uh, another uh, area here, 
about uh, social groups, either hiking or kayaking uh, or canoeing. Now, what about other sorts of things? So you have, you have your commercial operations, and then you have hiking groups, canoe clubs, so on and so forth. Um, but what about these sorts of situations? Here's a, um, a post on a popular Facebook um, uh, page where people post all sorts of questions and, co- and make all sorts of comments about things related to the Buffalo River. And this individual says that, uh, hey, uh, we're planning a float from Rush to the White River over four days in June. Um, anything we should know about that particular section of river. And then they go on to say about the crew. We're taking a crew of middle school and high school students, 23 in all. Most have a few backpacking trips under their belts, but they will be fairly new to paddling. Okay, so here we have a group of middle and high schoolers. I don't know what kind of group. Are they part of a school club? Are they part of a church club uh, or organization? Um, I don't think it's 23 family members. I don't think it's a family reunion. The fact that they mentioned middle school and high school seems to indicate that it, it has some, that it's a group, some sort of formal group. Uh, school-related summer school program, I don't know. But they're taking 23 kids and they're probably all minors. They're going on a four days worth of uh, four day float and they're all fairly new to paddling. And they're going to go where the Buffalo and the White River meet. And I've done that section twice. And when you get to the Buffalo and the White River, well, the White River has you know, a dam on it and that, and that water level can be very high, very fast, and it can be very dangerous. The water is super cold. You fall in, uh, you're, you, you know, you're talking 50 degree temperature water, that's trout water, and you're not gonna last very long. Your, your, your arms and legs are gonna freeze up. The chances uh, of being injured are, are very great if you're in the water. And so my question is, does this individual, does this group require a permit? All the comments, I, I, I read the thread at the time, and I never saw anything about anyone mentioning, hey, you're going to need a permit for this. And again, given the three permit structures that I have found, unless there's a fourth one out there that I don't know about, um, this particular uh, event that this person is talking about coming up in June, it doesn't fit into those three three permit types three permit categories so you know if if they can take 23 minors on a four-day trip um you know it seems that a social group of adults should be able to do the same thing without a permit and people come back whoa well they were charging money for dues well look at this do you tell me that these middle school and high school kids are all paying. Uh, they're walking into the outfitter uh, and they are paying for their own canoe or they're bringing their own canoe um, and, and, and their own life jackets and all of this other sort of thing. I don't know. But I imagine someone is leading this group in some way, somehow, and I'm sure there's some sort of money thing going on. And um, I, it just makes me wonder. I, 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 I look at these cases and I ask myself, do they need a permit? Uh, now that this tragedy, this May 7th tragedy has happened, all these groups are going to be looking and asking the same question. Do we need permits uh, to do any sort of thing uh, you know, like we used to do? These groups have been around for years. There is no, uh, there's no doubt about this. The, the park rangers know these groups come in, these hiking groups and canoe clubs come in to the park and they do what they do. Are they checking for permits? I know for a fact that uh, the Arkansas Nature Lovers group has camped at Kyle's Landing 
uh, numerous times, and they, on, I think on three occasions, talked to the park ranger and told the park ranger that they're a group and they're going up Indian Creek. And they never once asked about a permit. In fact, um, the incident prior to May 7th, go back a week uh, to the previous weekend, I guess, what, May 1st or so, somewhere, somewhere in there, uh, a woman uh, on that same hike with the Arkansas Nature Lovers, she injured her ankle, and they had to bring in a search and rescue team to come in and, get, and help her get out of there. At that particular time, no one mentioned then or later that, hey, your group needs a permit to go on a hike through here. It was never mentioned. And so, yeah, someone died. And is that what it takes for people to be aware that they need permits? What about this group going in June, these 23 kids? If something happens to them, is you know, is someone going to ask, do they need a group or do they need a, a group permit of some sort? Uh, are they going to wait till after the fact or what? I don't know. But it just seems to me that if permits were such a big deal and they apply to social groups and clubs that do outdoor nature events, that park rangers and others would have informed these leaders that you need permits to be doing this stuff. They've had many opportunities to talk to these group people uh, about permits, to make public announcements that if you are a meetup group, a Facebook group, a club, if you collect dues, uh, anything like that, you're going to need a permit. I have never once seen an announcement like that. So it just really, really makes me wonder about how these permits are talked about how they are dealt with um, and, and, and how they're communicated with uh, people who do run social clubs. Now, as far as commercial services, it's clear that if you're a commercial operation, you're there to, you know, in a for-profit capacity, it's clear what you need to do. But these other social groups, it's not so clear. Okay, <clears throat> what's the fallout? Well, we've talked about the event, we've talked about the permits uh, needed, we've talked about uh, other things dealing with the May 7th tragedy. Uh, here's an article from a Missouri paper that called the Daily Citizen, and on May 27th, um, they published a story, the headline which reads, Is Social Hiking Safe? Fallout rattles groups after death of Springfield man. And so they raise the question, is it safe? Well, overall, generally, yes. It's probably much safer than going out there alone. There are a lot of people who go out alone and guess what? They get lost. They don't know where they're going. They don't have the experience. Uh, they don't bring the right gear, so on and so forth, and bad things happen. If you're in a group less likely that those things are going to happen. Um, this is a, another clip from the story. It says that uh, 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 Mr. Thomas and a companion reportedly left the group without alert alerting Johnson, the hike leader, and started hiking back alone on the Indian Creek Trail. Along the way, Thomas fell 20 feet to his death. All right. So right there, it shows you, much like the 16-year-old at uh, Lost Valley, these individuals left the group, and that's when they had their accidents. Uh, people who hike with uh, the Arkansas Nature Lovers uh, group, uh, uh, who hike with them, say his group is organized like other social hiking groups and meetups, which is very true. Uh, Arkansas Nature Lovers, all those others out there, they're all based on the same template and operate the same way. Um, so now the question arises uh, about what's the future for hiking clubs, hiking groups, 
paddling clubs, are they now going to have to stop operation? Are these clubs going to have to dissolve and, and go out of existence? That is the real question. And part of the story, I'll read the, the, the little uh, screenshot here. It says, according to the paper, uh, recent news coverage, social media conversations, and a statement by the Newton County Sheriff's Office about the Springfield hikers' tragic fatal accident on an Arkansas wilderness trail have rattled hiking groups with some organizers expressing concern and some choosing to quit leading public hikes altogether. All right, so all of these groups, these are not commercial operations, these are social clubs. And, and so what they're faced with right now is the question, should we continue uh, leading hiking events? And a lot of them are just flat out saying, no, we're not gonna do it. And a lot of them right now, uh, as of June 10th, are basically suspending operations and have adopted a wait and see attitude about what's going to come. How how is this going to look? You know, six months down the road, uh, what are going to be the requirements? What changes are going to have to be made? Uh, how are these groups going to have to interact with uh, the National Park Service? You know, is the National Park Service going to have to uh, create a fourth category of permit? Uh, I don't know. Nobody knows right now. All of these are, are very good questions. Um, and this individual, here's another comment I found on social media. And, and he brings out the point that if you're leading anyone or any group, you have you carry certain responsibilities. I agree with that. If you are leading anyone, you carry certain responsibilities. Absolutely. Um, and in social group hiking or canoeing, kayaking, whatever, um, you know these groups do do carry out certain responsibilities. They notify people of the dangers involved, they remind them that they are paddling or hiking at their own risk and they need to be aware of this. Uh, that, and the Park Service reminds them that, hey, you have to plan for self-rescue. Yeah, you carry certain responsibilities as a leader, all right? And more, you know, most importantly, probably to inform the people about what they're about to do. And Arkansas Nature Lovers, and all these other groups do just that. They let the people know what they're getting into. Now, here's the thing. This coming, if you're leading anyone or any group, you carry responsibilities. Go back to that one, uh, uh, one group that I just mentioned a moment ago about they're taking 23 high school and middle school kids down the river for four days are, you know, what, what exactly are the responsibilities here for this individual? You know, someone's leading this. Uh, what exactly are the responsibilities involved there? Okay. Again, it's kind of unclear. Do they need a permit? Do they not need a permit? Do they need insurance? Do they not need insurance? Uh, do they have to be CPR certified or not? I mean, what are the responsibilities? That's the question. And those all need to be clarified to protect everybody. This was a comment that came uh, May 11th, you know, uh, four or five days after the uh, uh, tragedy at Indian Creek. And this particular person says, uh, as a leader... Uh, I go out of my way not just to help my friends, uh, but others I encounter outdoors. I do everything I can, but I am not responsible for their actions. This situation, the one, the, the May 7th uh, tragedy, has caused me to end my free kayaking group. Those new people who, uh, who 
would have previously gone with someone experienced will now just have to go on their own. Over the years, I have rescued more people stuck in the rivers than I can count. Now I have to question, is that smart of me to rescue someone I don't know? Do I risk my life being turned upside down because of bad elected officials or litigious immoral people? What he's getting at there is that everyone likes to sue uh, and, and people are you know, quick to charge for all sorts of outdoor activities, you know, claiming some sort of, you know, uh, rule was violated, law was violated, or that sort of thing, all right? Uh, all things being equal, barring, you know, gross negligence, you know, if things happened to others out there in the group along a hike, that's the risk you take. And as long as uh, the group leaders are not, you know, grossly negligent in their behavior, uh, in doing what they're doing, then, you know, it's hard to say that they, you know, violated the law or did something wrong. And many people now, like this particular individual, they're, you know, they're giving up on hiking groups and, you know, teaching people how to kayak, uh, all of that sort of stuff, because now you're going to be charged you know, by the state or the National Park Service, or you're going to be sued by somebody, it's not worth it. It's just not worth it. And this is going to create a dangerous environment, a more dangerous environment, I should say, because now people are going to go out there on their own and try to learn this on their own, and it could be a real, uh, a real bad deal for them if things don't, uh, don't uh, work out properly. So, the, I wanted to cover this. This is a really long podcast, but I wanted to cover it because it is very, very important. No one knows what's going to happen. We're all kind of in this wait and see mode. And we want to, you know, we want to know what the best course of operation is. Uh, but at some point, personal responsibility has to be included in this. You, you go out into the woods. When I go out into the woods, I always bring a water filter because I never know if I'm going to have enough water. I bring some food. I uh, typically will bring some sort of jacket. I will always bring some sort of uh, fire materials to make a fire if I need to. Uh, I also carry a Garmin InReach SOS communicator. Now, I do that on my own. I, on every hike I go on, whether it's by myself or with the group, I am practicing what the National Park Service is talking about, self-rescue, all right? And that's, that's just me. That's what I do. I, I take the adage, hike at your own risk, literally. That's what I'm doing. I am hiking at my own risk. If I fall, it's not the leader's fault. Uh, it's just an accident, all right? So that's the mindset that needs to be out there in these hiking groups. And I think by and large, it probably is. People recognize the risk. But a lot of people who aren't in the hiking community don't think about this probably the same way that I do and many others do. And they are quick to point fingers, uh, quick to draw judgments about uh, who's to blame, uh, who's responsible, and all of these sorts of things. These comments that I've shown you today were all made within hours, within hours of that May 7th tragedy. Uh, there's no way these people know all the details, not even the sheriff, uh, the 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 federal government, the National Park Service, they're going to do, you know, they're investigating, they're interviewing people, they are discussing, you know, how this should be dealt with, all right? They may not make a decision for, who knows, what, six months from now? Who knows? And these people commenting, uh, you saw there was a lot of emotion, uh, and, and people were making a lot of uh, 
quick assessments about what had happened and, and all of this sort of thing. So right now, the social hiking group, uh, groups, I should say, clubs, all of which charge memberships, none of which are out there trying to make a profit per se. No, no one individual is making money off of this. Uh, they might be collecting dues for, you know, uh, maintenance of the club, uh, but they are not charging on a per event basis, uh, like say a fishing guide would be doing, a sightseeing guide would be doing. All of these people, they charge on guide services charge on a per trip basis, and these clubs, these meetups, these groups do not do that. They have, you know, basic membership fees and that's it. Okay, I appreciate your hanging with me and uh, I hope you learned something today. You may disagree with me on certain aspects of that. That's fine. But I've tried to present the information uh, as best I could with what I know. Again, not trying to point fingers, not trying to conclude, make any legal conclusions, uh, anything like that. But rather just to lay out the case is something we're all talking about. People in the, in the outdoors communities, uh, this is something we're all talking about. The newspapers have covered it. Uh, people are in a wait and see mode. Uh, and we'll see how it turns out. It's, it's a tragedy. Uh, and we'll see how it all, how the chips fall, and uh, we'll be probably discussing this for uh, a while to come, I imagine. All right, until next time, uh, that is all I have, and again, I appreciate you stopping by. Sorry about the three-month uh, uh, sabbatical that I had to take, but I got sick, work uh, commitments got me, and I will try to do better in the future. Uh, and I hope you learn uh, some things from uh, these podcasts. Until next time, uh, I'll see you later.